0: Well, good morning, Grace Church. It is great to see everyone this morning. Look at somebody nearby, give them a smile, tell them you are glad to see them in the house of the Lord this morning. Those of you joining us on live stream or Facebook live, we're so glad you've chosen to be a part of our service today. To all of our fathers, I say happy Father's Day. Let's give our dads a hand. We certainly admire and respect and love all of our fathers today. And uh, to our dads, I hope you have a great day. And on the way out, Grace Church has just a little something for you to let you know how much you mean to us. So be sure to get your gift on the way out after the service this morning. I do want to remind you that senior camp is next week. We've already had kids camp and junior camp and now it's time for senior camp. And uh, I, yeah, amen. The camp, the camp season just keeps rolling. It's like the gift that keeps on giving, right? Like there's more to come, right? I see some of them shaking their heads. And then, of course, camp meeting is the week of July 5th. So you want to make uh, mark a market calendar for that as well. And then, one last announcement. You remember a couple of Wednesday nights ago, we made a presentation regarding launching Connect Groups. Does anybody remember? Uh, the other night we talked about Connect Groups. Well, there was a tremendous response. So many of you signed up to lead Connect Groups. We're excited about that. And as we move forward through the summer, getting closer to time to launch those, it's now time to have our leadership meeting. Our, if you signed up to lead a Connect Group, we need to meet with you and have some leadership training. That'll take place next Sunday night at 6 p.m. right over in the Alexander Center. So all of our, if you signed up, that's you. We need you over there. If you didn't sign up and you think you still would like to check it out and it might be something you're still interested in, you're welcome to come as well. We want anybody that might be interested to come and hear what we have to say, hear the presentation. And then uh, that, that is going to take us one step closer to being able to launch this in August. So we're excited about that. Mark your calendars for it. Have you come to worship the Lord? Amen. Amen. As you stand this morning, as you stand this morning, the praise team is going to lead us in praise, in worship. I was thinking of that song this morning. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, there's just something that happens down on the inside, and a a, a shout of worship just has to come out. A, A praise has to come out. He's been good to me. Has he been good to you? Oh, I'm going to worship Him today. Let's worship, Grace Church.
1: thing can compare you're our living hope your presence Lord I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free my shame is up. You, Lord, hallelujah, it's all about you.
2: praise Him if you would. Everybody praise Him again. Everybody praise Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is worthy of this moment. God is worthy of this moment. Folks, everybody, let's praise Him today. Listen be the name of Jesus. What a moment. What a moment. The praise team has sung a song in the past. It talks about when the glory of God touches the earth and I get caught in between it. That's how I feel this morning. I feel like I'm right in between God doing something amazing. In this church here today, it's an opportunity for all of us to seize. It's a moment for all of us to take advantage of today. And that is welcoming the Spirit of God, the power of God into our lives, into our homes, into our relationships. I believe God is here today to do an amazing work. I believe God has already done some amazing things here. Today. I feel it in the atmosphere today. I feel god working in the atmosphere today it's the manifest presence of god here today hallelujah aren't you thankful for him is anybody thankful for the spirit of the lord that's here today would you clap your hands all over the house hallelujah hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. thank the lord thank the lord if you don't mind look at your neighbor Tell them I'm so happy to see you here today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I just felt with the sound I heard that y'all really meant that. That you are truly happy to see the person close to you today. If you would, you may be seated for a moment. I have a couple of things to talk to you about. First of all, I want to just give our our praise team a lot of applause and, and recognition here today. The atmosphere here today has been amazing, and you folks have successfully taking us taking us to the throne of God. No question, no doubt. There's just been an anointing here today. And that song they opened with today, I, first time I've ever heard that. But it just kind of made your head want to just kind of, and your feet, your legs get all up and involved with it. There's some of you folks that can do that a whole lot better than I can. But where I may not have been doing it physically as good as you my heart was outclassing you more than you can imagine I love what I feel here today I'm thankful for what I see here today we're thankful for all of our guests here today that's come to perhaps honor your dad thank you for that for all of our guests here today we're so thankful you're here a part of Grace Church and uh, I welcome Marcus and Cassie here today my son and Wonderful daughter-in-law here today. We're always honored to have them here, and especially on Father's Day. They come on one Sunday of Father's Day, and the next year it's Mother's Day, and the next year it's Father's Day, and so on. And uh, I sure like it when it's Father's Day, and they're here. It just really makes it all the more special. Love these people deeply. I have an announcement I want to make. Remember, I told you we had a secret. <clears throat> Y'all remember that? Allison and Ella, where are you today? Y'all hooped and hollered when I said we had another secret, and you asked me to tell you, and I wouldn't. So uh, here it goes. And uh, they told me that you can trust us with your secret. Uh, No. Anyway. Um, But we announced a couple of weeks ago, and as you heard some follow-up with that today about our connect groups, and I'm so excited about that I can hardly stand myself. Uh, we've had over 20 people that signed up to be Connect Group leaders, and I'm so pumped about that. I just, I felt for the past couple of Sundays, there's been a shift, a change in our atmosphere here at Grace Church in the right direction. This morning felt like old Grace Church, and pre-COVID Grace Church, and just it just feels amazing here today. Well, <clears throat> the, the secret that we mentioned to you several weeks ago is we are now starting up uh, it will it will begin the Sunday uh, following July the 4th, which will be July the 10th. We are reinstituting a young adult class. We'll be in the Alexander Center every Sunday morning at 10, and I'm very excited about that. And I need for everybody to listen. Uh, this is we're going to include our college age uh, students, if you will, with this class. So the college Sunday school class will move from classroom one over to the Alexander Center on July the 10th to join uh we'll just call it younger marriage and uh we would like for the the top age of this class to be age 40. Now if you're a person that's 38 and you're married to someone who's 43 you're both welcome to attend but uh if there's not somebody in the in the couple mix here that's under 40, we'll ask you to remain in the adult class. If you would honor that, we'd appreciate it. But it's gonna be a completely different uh, venue and presentation. Um, Nathan Henson is going to take the lead on that for the next couple of months, for July and August, for sure. Uh, we're gonna be adding uh, Brother Jason to that. Uh, even others, as time goes on, there'll be other speakers, but we want it to be kind of a, an open setting. Uh, where the teacher has a lot of interaction with the people who are in the class. So you could ask questions, have discussion, and so on. It's not going to be a 40, 45-minute lecture uh, set up. And I'm very, I'm so excited about this, and I feel like the timing is impeccable. So uh, all of you in that age group, please remember, and we'll, we will remind you. Uh, we'll remind you over the pulpit. We'll send you text messages and whatnot that starting on July the 10th, uh, our younger married... Uh, class college-age class will start in the Alexander Center and again we're expecting great great result from that and we're very very excited about it and want to thank uh, brother Nathan Uh, brother Dave will eventually join that lineup of teachers and also brother Jason for their willingness to do that and uh, I'll also announce that uh, brother Ben has asked for a little bit of a sabbatical in the adult class For July and August, so Brother Dave Bunch will be teaching the adult class uh, here in the sanctuary during that time. So all of you folks that um, are age group for this class in here, the class in the Alexander Center, it's going to be a little bit of change up in the near future, but be excited about it and and come show up and attend and put your heart into it. Let's take advantage of this this wave of momentum we have going here right now and, and, and see what God will do. We want to give him every opportunity we can uh, to work and, uh, to do some amazing things. So if you remember those announcements, uh, we'd appreciate it. And, um, I'm, I'm going to say the following thing only because brother Henry swallow has, I understand has introduced his garden to grace church on a very nice scale. I think some of his vegetation has been in the move, the mission table. I think he's had some tomatoes and cucumbers out there. And now for the past couple of Sundays, there's been a Walmart bag full of tomatoes and cucumbers sitting on the hood of our car when we leave church. And it took me a while to figure it out, where it was coming from. And then we finally zeroed in. I want to tell you that I don't know what, it, what you've done, but this year with those tomatoes and, and cucumbers, Sister Murphy and I have had some amazing meals. And thank you for sharing your garden with Grace Church. Thank you. And God will bless you for that. Yes, he will. Thank the Lord. And if you're running out of tomatoes, uh, just save a few back for Brother and Sister Murphy. We'd appreciate that so very much. Forget about the rest of Grace Church. Just make sure we... is what I'm saying here. I'm kidding. But uh, it's it's been truly, truly amazing. Also, if you'll remember last Sunday, we applauded a couple that lives in California that has been watching Grace Church online for uh, a number of months. He said... And uh, so after church, and uh, we've been so very honored to have uh, Farah Bunch's brother and his wife with us over the past number of weeks, and John is here today, and we're very thankful to see him. His wife, Carrie, was here last Sunday. She's sick today, but uh, she mentioned to me after church last Sunday, being that you mentioned the couple from California. She said, my mother lives in California, and because of our connection with the Bunches and, and so on through of Grace Church via Uh, the bunches that her mom has been tuning in some uh to our um, live stream so you folks that do that in the back we don't know who we're reaching and who is appreciating and and being ministered to uh, via live stream and thank you all very much for your work and sacrifice one more thing before we go the word of god i love our praise team i love our musicians what they do here is absolutely phenomenal but, uh, and I've waited to this point to give Jonathan time to come back in. But I heard some s- stuff on that bass guitar this morning that our, some of our younger group would say that was just nasty. Meaning, that was truly amazing. You have to understand their interpretation and definition of words these days. But dude, you were putting some stuff out there this morning. Thank you. Thank you. It was amazing. <laughs> appreciate it. Amen. And that first song y'all did, Casey, if y'all want to repeat that here in the very near future, that'd be pretty cool too. Would you stand with me today in honor to the word of the Lord? I have a message to bring to you. I respect the fact that it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads. But uh, today, uh, we're staying in a similar fashion that we've been for the past several Sundays. John chapter 11, verse 21. John chapter 11, verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus... Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's a huge statement, kind of an accusation. But I know, she said, that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, your brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again, and the resurrection at the last day. Y'all on board with this so far? Say amen. amen. Then Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. Meaning, the resurrection is not an event, it's a person. Y'all, it'll take you a minute to get your head around that. You'll, You'll get on board in a minute. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? He said, I am the resurrection. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the beginning. He said, I am the resurrection, and I am the beginning. I want to speak to you for a couple hours this morning. I feel it in my heart. I'm not going to go that long. It's Father's Day, and y'all are all anxious to get to Piccadilly, but, buddy, it's uh, it's rolling inside of me right now. But I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about the God of new beginnings the God of new beginnings give some praise to the Lord Lord. God bless you thank you you may be seated I salute our youth campers they were amazing this past week they were amazing 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 Uh, several of them told me we prayed some people through the Holy Ghost I mentioned to you that last Sunday with kids camp this past week was no exception either I'm pumped about our youth campers Uh, Grace Church was very well represented I can promise you and um, found out this morning that we have at least one that's going to senior camp and I'm pumped about that so pray for our senior camp this week as well that God would just outpour his spirit on all of them. The God of new beginnings I will say to you this morning by way of introduction that God has more great and amazing attributes about Him than we have time to mention today. His love, His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness, long-suffering, the fact that He's all-powerful, just to name a few, all of these are amazing, phenomenal attributes of God. In addition, we all understand the omnipresence of God we all know that god is everywhere at the same time but we don't always think of it or consider it but the manifest presence of god everybody say the manifest presence of god the manifest presence of god is something we cannot not pay attention to it's it's very challenging to not acknowledge the manifest presence So when God is manifest around us, when he manifests himself around us, it demands, it compels our attention. In Luke chapter 24, following the crucifixion of Christ, two of his disciples were on a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to a little town called Emmaus. They were on that journey because they were giving up. Their hearts were broken. Their spirit was somewhat bitter. They felt somewhat betrayed and disillusioned. They believed in Jesus. They believed in his kingdom. And when he was crucified and died, they couldn't handle that. They felt extremely let down and betrayed. The Bible is very clear in Luke 24, and if you read it carefully, you'll understand it, that they talked about all the things that had happened. The Bible said they communed together. They reasoned together. They were literally pulling each other down. Figuratively speaking, they were literally pulling each other down underwater. They were drowning in their feelings of rejection and betrayal, of Jesus not being what he said he would be, and so on. So the further they walked from Jerusalem to Emmaus, the more mad each other felt, the more angry and disillusioned they made each other feel. And seemingly out of thin air, Jesus joined them. Let's talk about the manifest presence of God here for a moment. Jesus joined up with them. And again, having eyes that see not and ears that hear not, the Bible said to them, he was only a stranger. It uses that specific terminology. And he observed immediately, of course, that they were very sad. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, asked, Are you a stranger here? Haven't you heard about what's happened in Jerusalem, haven't you heard about what's happened to Jesus, how he was condemned to death and was crucified? And he went on to say, Cleopas did, and we trusted. Everybody say, we trusted. trusted. And we trusted that he was the one that was going to save Israel. This is so keynote to me. Cleopas said to Jesus and to him who was a stranger, and today is the third day since these things happened. We all know what happened on the third day, but when you have eyes that see not and ears that hear not, you don't even consider what Jesus promised was going to happen on the third day. Amen. Jesus told them, they're going to crucify me and I'm going to die. But I'm going to resurrect from the dead on the third day. And it's interesting to me that Cleopas pointed out that today is the third day. But when you have eyes that see not, you miss that some kind of way. And when Jesus is walking right beside you, he's a stranger. Because you don't see him in the midst of of whatever event and moment you are experiencing. So, he even went on to say that there were some women that told us that Jesus had resurrected from the grave. Cleopas even told Jesus that we even went and visited the sepulcher and it was empty. But he still couldn't see Jesus. Jesus was still a stranger. And the more he said, the more he incriminated himself against what Jesus had told them. So Jesus walked with them and finally had compassion on the whole situation. Taught them a short Bible study at their house. Broke some bread with them. And I would like to ask you all a question today. There was one or two things that opened their eyes finally and they realized it was Jesus. And I'd like for you to consider what it was. I I consider both of these as being a part of the reason their eyes was open. But while he was teaching a Bible study with them, the Bible said he broke bread with them. He went to their house with them. He went to a, a place of lodging with them. Was it the Bible study that opened their eyes to him? Or was it him breaking bread, and when he reached out and handed them a piece of it, they saw them big old nail scars. And all of a sudden, that light comes on in their head. This ain't a stranger. This is Jesus. Perhaps it was both that caused their eyes to be open. But when they got a glimpse of the manifested presence of God, the Bible said they constrained him to stay at their house. They said, abide with us. I'd like to ask here today, has anybody had a moment similar to that when Jesus just shows up and you recognize it and you're like, God, don't leave me. Don't let this moment in. I want to stay in this prayer room as long as I can. I want to ride this wave. I'm seeing Jesus show up in my life and it means everything right now. It's powerful. It's an outstanding, glorious moment. And when he left to go on to meet with the next person, they both testified that when this happened, did not our hearts burn within us? When Jesus manifests himself to you, you should want him to stay. And your heart should feel different. And I believe we have a house full of people here today that feels that way right now. He has touched my heart, and I want him to stay with me. God, abide with me because you have now made my life truly worth living. I would like for us to take a quick peek at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2 says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face, upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Again, that manifest presence of God. Some Bibles will place a note in the margin that says that Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 happened somewhere around 4004 B.C before Christ I don't believe that it's been a long time that I have taught in especially a home Bible study setting I love Genesis 1 and 2 because it just sets a precedent for one of the greatest attributes of God you'll ever see in the Bible I believe in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and you read verse 2 and it throws a, a, a monkey wrench into everything if you will because Beginning at verse 3, you get the story of creation. And God says it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. He says that six times. And seventh time he said it's very good. I don't believe God was applauding an earth that was without form and void and dark. I don't believe that's the kind of world he created. The Bible said that he spoke light into existence on day one. And on the fourth day he created the sun. He lit up the place without a sun. So I believe and I have taught that between verse 1, the general statement is made, God created the heaven and the earth. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. It was amazing. It was more than the eye could absorb. It was just a masterpiece of the handiwork of God. And then as I, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel have taught, the devil was kicked out of heaven at some point. And I believe it happened between verse 1 and verse 2. And it was the presence of Satan and one-third of his demons that made the earth to become without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. This is what the devil does to people's lives. This is what the presence of the devil will do to your life if you let him. He will give it no value. He will give it no purpose. And he will shroud it in darkness. That's what the devil does. But verse 3 says and explains the process of creation. And God said, let there be light. I want to submit to you here this morning under the umbrella that God is a God of new beginnings. That He took an earth that He created that was virtually perfect and beautiful and gorgeous and amazing. The devil was thrown into the earth into the earth's atmosphere and so on as you know and ruined it. But God is a God of new beginnings. He came and took what the devil tore up by way of the planet earth according to the scripture and made it brand new all over again. He gave the earth, the planet earth, as huge and phenomenal as it is, a rebirth, a new start. An earth that was able to inhabit his kingdom living in the lives of men. He recreated that atmosphere so it could happen again. If God can give the, listen to me today, if God can give the whole entire planet a new beginning, then what makes you think he can't do that with your life? Amen. What makes you think he can't do that with your marriage? What makes you think he can't do that with your family and your kids and your parents? What makes us think that he couldn't do that with Grace Church? Just recreate this church all over again into something far better that's enabled to embody the kingdom of God. He's a God of new beginnings, and I believe He's doing it right now to Grace Church in front of our eyes. He's healing things that need to be healed. He's restoring things that need to be restored. He's reconciling things that need to be reconciled. God is doing a manifest work in this church right now in front of our eyes. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord and shout yes. Hallelujah! So, this is my message today. In spite of the presence of the devil, in spite of the presence of all of his demons, in spite of the existence of sin and all the horrible things that comes with it that the devil brought with him, God made this earth beautiful again and able to manifest his kingdom in it in spite of all the horrible sinful wickedness that the devil brought to it again if God can do that for the earth then what can he do for your life your home your family what can he do if he can do it for the In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5, the Bible said, He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. The Bible said in one place that His mercies are new every day. Amen. Amen. I remember talking to several people about our coming to Grace Church. Y'all can go ahead and roll those pictures and just let them cycle. When I talked to people about coming here to pastor at that time, it was the First United Pentecostal Church of Baker, including my own mother in all due respect to her. She said, why do you want to go there? It's just a burnover over field. Why do you want to go there? Well, I believe God is calling me there, Mom, and that's about all I can say. I don't know what else to say. People told me there was no use in coming here to pastor. It will never grow. It will never really amount to anything. We came here 29 years ago, and as you can see from these pictures, this was the very best that we could do in the sanctuary of the old Baker building for our very first service. You can see that the the floors were bare. That black you're seeing on the floor is the glue that held the tile down before it flooded a few months before we came. Those church pews, some church member just took it upon himself to go up to the church one day, pull them all up, take them out in the parking lot and hand paint them with a paintbrush. And Marty said, Amen. (laughs) It was a disaster to say the least. There was nothing pretty about that building as you can see. I'm not being disparaging the church did the very best they could the piano that you saw had a cracked soundboard in it in two places it couldn't be tuned it couldn't hold a tune because it went through a flood water there was hardly any sound system there the reason we didn't take a picture behind me that day of the platform is because there wasn't one it had gotten ripped out we didn't bother to take pictures of the ceiling where it was literally falling in I didn't take a picture of the door over here that went out to the parking lot that you had to tie a wire around a nail sticking in the wall to lock it. Uh, It was so warped and bent out of shape and so on, I could go on and on and on. In the ladies' restroom, there was no ceiling tiles. You could look up into the ceiling and into the attic of the church. But I want to tell you that God chose to give that little church and its membership of 12 people a brand new beginning. And 29 years later, here we are. If God can do, give the earth a new beginning, if God can give this church a new beginning, then how is it going to pre- prevent Him from giving you a new beginning? I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Spirit of the Lord moving. God's talking to some people right now. Praise the Lord. I believe we have some disciples here today that's on your road to your own personal Emmaus, and Jesus is joined up with you right now, you're not totally recognizing him, but you will before it's over with. And when he does, you're going to say, God, stay with me. Oh, God, stay with me. God, stay with me. Hallelujah. I'm about to segue into something that's going to be very personal to some people here today. But I want to bring this down. I've talked about the planet I've talked about our church. Let me zero in on some families here today. Jacob of the Old Testament. You will understand that he really ripped off his brother Esau over that birthright. He took advantage, he seized a moment. We all know Jacob was a liar, he was a deceiver, he was a horrible person. And when he deceived Esau and Esau realized what he did, The Bible said Esau wept, but he couldn't repent of what had happened. It was done, and what was done was done. And Jacob had to flee because Esau wanted to kill him, and so he left home, went to his uncle Laban's house, his mother's brother, lived there for a while and married Leah and Rachel, and he didn't want to marry Leah, but sometimes what you sow, you reap, and uh, he he got a bum deal on Leah, preached a message about the Leah in your tent uh, one time, and but God moved on Jacob. He had had dreams and visions. God moved on him and said it's time to go back home. And he was terrified because he knew that he still had a brother that had not forgotten what had happened and that Esau still wanted to kill him. And as Jacob was returning to his homeland, knowing that Esau was waiting for him, what Jacob didn't realize, everybody please listen, what Jacob didn't realize at that moment was that God was waiting on him as well. I thought that'd get an amen from somebody. You may think the devil is setting you up for failure. You may think the devil is setting you up for demise. But what we fail to understand is all the while, in the midst of all of our chaos, In the midst of all of our tumult, there's been a stranger walking right beside us. He's been with us every step of the way. We forget about that verse. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. I'm talking to somebody right now. We forget about that verse in the scripture where Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. It doesn't matter what you as a family is going through right now. Jesus is walking right beside you. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. Somebody hear me today. The problem is you haven't recognized him. To him, to you, he is only a stranger. So where Jacob thought he was walking into his demise... And that Esau was going to kill him. What he didn't understand is the stranger that was with him. The stranger that he wrestled with all night long. The stranger that he couldn't recognize that he was blinded to. Had just set him up. Oh God. For a revelation. For an understanding. You talk about a come to Jesus meeting. Jacob had one that night. It's interesting. That it took that angel all night long to get through his hard head. God hasn't brought you here for Esau to kill you. God has brought you here not only to reconcile your current family, but to make your seed last on this planet for the rest of the life of this planet. God gave Jacob a new beginning that went far behind. I told somebody last Sunday, you know who you are, you're here today. That if you had quit fighting and wrestling with what God wants to do in your life, your marriage, you as a parent, etc. If you could have a personal breakthrough, the impact you could have on people around you, the impact you could have on your family and your friends would be immeasurable. It would truly be eternal. But somehow we have it in our mind that, that the devil is causing our demise and he may be but at the end of it Melanie God flips the switch he turns the table and all of a sudden an angel shows up and you don't get the picture you don't even know his name and you fight it and you fight it and you fight it and all of a sudden, he finally makes you submit, and he touches Jacob's hip, and he walks away with a limp, but he walks away with a new name, a new family name. Your name has been changed from a liar and a deceiver to a prince who has power with God. If God can do that for a Jacob, then why can't he reconcile you with your family, with the kingdom, with your purpose? With the reason God has brought you here. With the reason God has allowed you to walk the path you've walked for the last months and years. Why does God do that? Because he has a God-ordained rendezvous with you. And he will make all things new in your life. Because he is the God of new beginnings. sit down I'm not done thank you all right you have to buckle your seatbelt on this one it's gonna come close to home but I'm being very kind and preaching what God's given me in the New Testament we all know the story there was a faction of religious people that did not like Jesus he had cleaned out their church <coughs> Between him and John the Baptist, the Sadducees and the Pharisees just didn't have much left at church. Jesus was making disciples out of these people one right after another. And instead of these leaders joining Jesus, they opposed him. And he was, they were a thorn in his flesh, if you will. So on this particular day, they heard some scoop. They got on Facebook and Instagram and social media and chat, chat and chat, pack and whatever else y'all call that stuff. I don't know much about it. And they heard about a situation going on. And they decided, oh my goodness, God has opened this opportunity for us to finally trap Jesus where he has no answer their doing this was not because of the individual they went after it was to trap Jesus they heard about a woman that was at that very moment committing adultery it's funny that the man wasn't involved in this that's just always been interesting to me it was just a woman and they knew that the law of Moses said, aha. That if somebody, aha, is caught aha, in the act of adultery, aha. That we're going to stone them dead. Dead as a doornail. They'll be buried today. It'll be over with. And we will live, leave Jesus speechless without an answer. Oh, God, y'all hear me today. So they went and got the woman. And drug her out of her bed of adultery. Drug her to Jesus. Some commentaries say that she was still unclothed. They brought her to Jesus. The religious leaders reasoned among themselves that if we bring this woman to Jesus and we introduce him to what she's done, if he lets her go, then he'll lose the respect of all the Jewish people because of the law of Moses. But if he agrees for us to stone her, then he'll be in trouble with the Romans because a Jew couldn't execute a, Rome, a, a another Jewish person without permissions from the Romans. So we have this moment. There's no way out, so they thought. If something like this happened today, our news media would go absolutely insane beside themselves so here this woman was no clothes on as guilty as sin in front of Jesus and behind her is this insane mob of religious people this woman was taken in the very act of adultery the law of Moses says to stone her but what do you say and they were waiting for this glorious moment where they could completely disqualify Jesus and His ministry. I can assure everybody in this building today that that woman, everybody listen, that woman did not wish to be in the presence of Jesus at that moment. She did not desire to be there. Perhaps as loving and kind and compassionate As she may be heard that he was, she still, you can't persuade me today that she was all about that moment. She was humiliated beyond degree. A, that she was caught in a sin. B, that she was forced against her will to go stand in front of who was God incarnate in flesh. She did not want to be there that day. Again, the people that did this were religious people. But they really didn't care anything about her. And they even cared less about Jesus. But again, they knew, according to Jewish law, that this woman was going to die today. She was going to be stoned to death. And they were willing to let that happen to this woman so they could trap Jesus. And get rid of him. They didn't care about the woman. They didn't care what was going to happen to her. They knew that she was going to die today. And they were willing for that to happen. And they knew it was over for Jesus. This woman knew that her life was over. And even though she was drugged there against her will. At some point, she began to recognize that being in the presence of Jesus was not anything like she thought it was going to be. Somewhere along the line, in that short exchange, and I don't believe lasted very long, when she was finally kneeling at his feet, no doubt her face on the ground, trying somehow to cover up her nakedness and shame, to stand there and answer to her sin, at some point, the stranger she's in front of becomes something else. There is an element of love and kindness and some kind of bizarre. Indescribable abstract of forgiveness coming out of him that she couldn't comprehend and she didn't understand. Just being in the presence of Jesus was causing her to feel hope of some measure that she really didn't know how to interpret. There was some hope coming from somewhere. That somehow, some way, and I don't know how. It's going to be a miracle. But I'm just starting to feel like I'm going to walk away from this. And ain't nobody going to stone me today. Not in His presence. When you are as horrible of a person as these Pharisees and Sadducees were. When you're in the presence of Jesus, it's hard to throw a stone even when you're that horrible of a person. Jesus makes it that way. That's kind of the point of being in his presence. So she was beginning to feel the potential and the possibility of a new beginning. She had really messed up her first beginning with one wrong choice right after another. But now that she's in the presence of Jesus, she's beginning to believe that somehow Jesus is going to do something really special. And I'm going to walk away from this unscathed. The Bible doesn't say it, but I believe Jesus took off a robe or something and put it around that woman. Maybe he asked one of his disciples, hey, can I have your outer coat there? Let's cover this lady up. He began to cover her shame. He began to cover her sin. He did not want her to be the focal point anymore. Let's take the focus off of you, Mrs. Adulterer, and I am going to firmly place it on me. I'm going to make sure that nobody's eyes are looking at your nakedness, your sin, and your shame. I'm going to make them look at me and wonder what I'm going to do about it. we all know the story all the accusations were hurled this woman and Jesus bent down and wrote something in the dirt and then he stood up and said he that is without sin you be the first to cast the first stone and I believe you could hear the thorough thud of rocks and stones hitting the ground as their hands opened up and released the rocks and had to turn around and walk away realizing that their big plot and scheme had failed there's people sitting in this building today that has experienced the love and mercy and grace of God at that level where he took all of the shame all the embarrassment all the humiliation and said I'm going to take it from you I'm going to take the focus off of you It's not getting rid of your sin and all of that. But I'm going to take the focus where people will look at me and wonder. And if they'll look at me, I will show them what I will do with you. And your setting here today is a trophy to the God of new beginnings. I think that deserves that we give Jesus a round of praise and thanksgiving and appreciation. There was a time years ago that the reason nobody threw stones is there was not anybody there qualified to throw one. Oh, yes, there was. There was somebody there qualified to throw a stone. Jesus was the only one that was qualified to throw rocks at her. Listen to what Pastor's about to say. Everybody listen. Across the board, he who is qualified to throw stones never does he who has a license to throw the stone never does because he that is qualified to throw a stone don't have sin running through their veins and they're not filled with rebellion and hatred and all of that kind of thing against Jesus the people who are qualified to throw stones are people whose sin has been forgiven and they know they've been forgiven of great debt so they're in love with jesus and they know this is not jesus way of handling things so they they don't even have stones in their hand they never show up at a stoning with stones in their hand i want everybody here today to be served notice this is how jesus handles people who fall into sin into grievous sin he set a precedent that day and it still exists to this day Jesus asked the men that drug her there that question. If you're without sin, then I want you to start hurling stones. And I'm going to stand with this woman, so no doubt some of them are going to hit me. And we need to consider that when we're throwing stones at people, that not only are we hitting that person, but we're also hitting the Jesus that's living in them as well. Whether we believe he's living with them or not, he is. Jesus was the qualified stone thrower. And when they left, all the people left, and there was this woman and his 12 disciples. Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, where are thine accusers? And she said, I have none. He said, Neither do I condemn thee. He never accused her from the moment he was acquainted with the situation. He never judged her from the moment he was acquainted with that situation. He said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And because of his wisdom in handling this, the woman's life was spared and Jesus' ministry continued. And it continues when we're forgiving and when we're loving and compassionate to people. So when you mess up and you make all the wrong choices, that leaves your life in shambles. Jesus is the only one that can give you a new beginning. The text I read today in John chapter 11 is where we find the story of the death of Lazarus. His sister Martha says to Jesus, as you heard me read a few moments ago, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. What Martha didn't know is Jesus knew Lazarus was dying. He told his disciples Lazarus was dying and then told them he was dead, but he's not dead. He's sleeping and we're going to go over there and wake him up. Jesus told his disciples that whole story before they even got there. But Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You all know the story. If you had been here. But Jesus said, and here's where she missed the point, and here's where a lot of you are missing the point. We look back at some event in our life and say, if God had shown up the way I thought he would, then things would have been different. But what we don't understand is he's here now. So, if you were worried about him being absent then, why don't you take advantage of him being present now? He's here right now. And so he had this little conversation with her. He said, Your brother will live again. And she said, I know. And I believe Jesus applauded her. She had strong faith and confidence. She said, I know my brother will live again in the resurrection in the last day. She was completely right. There is going to be a resurrection in the last day. But what she didn't know is that the resurrection wasn't an event. The resurrection is God. It's a person. It's not a date on the calendar. We all put it as a date on the calendar. One of these days, my mama's going to rise again. She will. But the resurrection, we have to understand the definition and presentation of it. It's not an event. The resurrection is a manifestation of the presence of God. Boy, some of y'all are looking at me right now. It's priceless. But I'm in the book. I'm in the Bible. Jesus didn't criticize her for what she said. In fact, he agreed with her. There will be a resurrection in the future. But he went on to tell her that the resurrection is not just a future event, but it's a person. He said, I am the resurrection. You'll have to notice, and I'm coming to a close, you'll have to notice here. Listen, everybody listen, that when Jesus said, I'm the resurrection, he didn't limit himself to what he could resurrect. Now, we associate it with the resurrection of the dead because there's a dead man in the grave and his sister wanted him resurrected. But Jesus didn't say, I'm the resurrection, I resurrect people from the dead. He said, I am the resurrection. So is there anything that is dead that he can't resurrect? He is the God of new beginnings. So if you feel like your marriage is dead, is it possible that God can look at your marriage and say, come forth? If your finances are dead, is it possible? that he can look at that and say come forth. There's people here today that has kissed death on the mouth if you will. We have a young person here today that kissed death on the mouth. But God turned all of that around because he is the resurrection. He can resurrect you from terminal disease. He can resurrect you from anything, any aspect of your life that you feel is dying or is dead because he is the resurrection. He did not restrict himself to what he can resurrect. So, when you fall out of love with your family, he can resurrect it. When you fall out of love with the church, he can resurrect it. When you fall out of love with the pastor, believe it or not, he can resurrect it. He can resurrect trust that has died. He can resurrect hope that has died. He can resurrect faith that has died. He can give you a new beginning and resurrect all the good things in your life that has died. And there's folks here today that are kind of bitter. Because I went through something that's caused me to be here right now. Had God been there then, this all wouldn't have happened. But I'm going to ask you to consider the story of Jacob. God allowed all this horrible, pathetic stuff to happen in his life to bring him full circle back around to a rendezvous with God where Jacob thought he was going to die. God brought him to a place where he was going to live a life that he never dreamed of. He's a God of new beginnings. And if God can do that, then he can do it now for anybody that's willing to understand that. I submit to you today, your marriage doesn't have to be over. You don't have to give up on your kids. You don't have to throw in the flag, the white flag on hope and trust and faith. You don't have to do that today because the resurrection is here. To you, he's a stranger. But if you let him work in your life, he'll resurrect it. It's a good preaching. It's a good preaching. If you'll stand with me today, every once in a while, I'll pull up Merle Ewing formerly pastored in Lake Charles he's gone on to his reward his wife Joan was one of the most phenomenal songwriters and Brother Merle Ewing was one of the most phenomenal singers you'll ever hear and uh, he was invited to attend what do you call it the Gaither Reunion I think is what they call it and uh, he was invited to sing and the song he sang is one of my favorites all time favorites that he's ever sung Let me tell you what God did for us, and this song explains it very well. Sister Joan wrote, Brother Merle sang, On the balcony of space stepped a pure and holy God, and in awesome solitude he stood alone. Not one faint star to give him light, just endless, rolling, blackest night. But somehow, through all the darkness, he could see me. He saw mountains high and lofty. He saw valleys lush and green. He saw babbling brooks, wildflowers grow, and even heard a robin sing. But he felt a strange compassion as close to love as pain can be. Standing out there in his tomorrow, he saw me. He saw me in his likeness. He saw me just like Him, pure, clean, and holy, spotless, white within. He saw me bound in heavy chains and longed to set me free. But He knew if I would become like Him, then He must become like me. Jesus paid it all, He sang. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. Andre Crouch wrote back in the 70s, I suppose, maybe the 60s. The potter saw a vessel that had been broken by the wind and the rain. He sought with so much compassion to make it over again. And I was that vessel that nobody thought was good. And I cried, Lord. You're the potter, and I am the clay. Make me over again today. Then God picked up the pieces of my broken heart that day, and he made me a new vessel and revived my soul again. My friend, he wrote, if you're broken and shattered by the storms of life and have searched in vain for the answer to all your turmoil and strife, just look to the Savior Who can now set you free and cry, Lord, you're the potter. I am the clay. Make me over again today. Let God pick up the pieces of your broken heart today. Let him make you a new vessel and take all your sin away. He's the God of new beginnings. I don't have time to go into the valley of dry bones that's something else for all of us to consider if you know the story if that can live why can't you live in the likeness that god wants you to live in the favor that god wants you to live in he wants to give a person and he wants to give some families here today a new beginning father's day couldn't be a better time than for happen. some of you are disillusioned about what's happened in your family to your dad to your husband father of your children, whatever it may be. But I know a God that knows what to do with those kind of situations. And the last thing He's going to do is throw a stone at you. He wants to help you today. So as they begin to play and sing song, let's everybody come for a few minutes. Piccadilly's still going to be there in a while. Let's take a few moments to come down. Say, God, help me. Everybody
1: coming. Would you talk to
2: him, everybody? Standing close to you is a testimony of how God can give a person a new beginning close to you as a person that shouldn't be here today, but God, so are God ordained it for it to happen. Have Somebody let the Lord have his way right now. Let God oh minister to you right you now. Let God restore so you right now. Let God heal you right now in the name of Jesus. Every breath